This is Nursing in America. Each week we speak with incredible nurses who have taken the leap to start a new life in the United States. If you're thinking about doing the same, then this is the place you'll find all the insider knowledge and inspirational success stories to realize your own American dream. This is the second part of a two-part episode, so make sure you go back and listen to part one first. So Cornelia and Jillian spoke about writing things down and being very clear and direct in your communication if there is an issue. One of the biggest issues, one of the biggest problems for many international nurses is that the role and responsibilities of a nurse in America is very different, generally speaking, to that of what you might expect overseas. Can you talk a little bit about that? How how is the role of the nurse different here as opposed to, for example, in the Philippines? Well, in here, what I felt is you have a bigger uh, responsibility as an RN in the hospital. Uh, the doctors and your co-nurses, your charged nurses, they expect a lot from you. Uh, in the Philippines, it's more of because you handle a lot of patients. So basically, your job is uh, generally get the vital signs, give the medication, report the patient's complaint, and then tell the doctor. Um, in here, it's it's a lot more. You are expected to do a full assessment of your patient. You are expected to know the medications you're giving to your patients. Thankfully, here in, in the U.S., everything is in the computer. Because um, I remember back home, um, before you give a medication to a patient, you have to know what that medication is for. And back home, uh, if there's an unfamiliar medication, you have to get the drug handbook and check there what's the contraindication, what's it's for. But in here, you don't have to look for a drug, uh, drug handbook. There is already information in the computer. You just click on the drug that you're about to give to your patient everything is in there, contraindication, uh, right dosage. And if you still have questions, you can easily ask the pharmacist uh, the right um, dosage to give or uh, right infusion rate for that medication. And in here, uh, the patients look at nurses in a whole different level, like the respect that you get from your patients and your uh, co-workers is um, a lot different from what I experienced back home. Yeah. Nurses here are very highly valued, as Holly said, the most um, noble profession and uh, voted the most noble, noble honorable profession um, and the most respected um, uh, profession. Um, but it really, nurses, I think, have a lot more autonomy and a lot more independence here. From what I understand, Cornelia, you were surprised when you first experienced a rapid response in the hospital here. Can you tell us what was surprising <laughs> and what you learned? <laughs> well, I was I was actually still in training when I experienced my first rapid response. It was um, funny funny to say, but I felt like I was in one of the shows like Grace Anatomy <laughs> or The Emergency. Not like you were on because, TV. <laughs> yeah, because what I saw on TV is what was really happening here and much even faster. They follow an algorithm. Uh, everybody knows what they're doing. Everybody knows what their role is. 
So I was like watching my own show in real life. <laughs> it was so, it, it was fun. It was very, everybody was so efficient. The patient has to be transferred to ICU. It was fast. It was like less than five minutes and the patient was out of the room on his way to ICU. It was fast. I've never experienced that back home. So, so that was very, very surprising. Holly, yeah. if a nurse has never experienced a rapid response for, before, what advice would you have? Um, so like Cornelia, um, I, I, when, when, when I was learning about it, it, it does seem very TVS. But what, what you're looking for is that each person's role is defined. So a lot of it comes down to communication. Who's going to be getting the supplies? Who's going to be documenting things? Who might be administering the medications to the patient? And the algorithm that you're following is based on a lot of different things, patient symptoms, um, what setting the patient is, is in at that moment and whether they need to be transferred. That decision is being made based on the very quick evaluation of the patient at the moment and the response to the very quick intervention. So what's really awesome is the nurse doesn't have to manage a critical patient alone. And how many times have you been in a situation, regardless of where you work in the world, where something happens with your patient, they change very quickly, and you feel scared because you're alone at that moment and you don't know how to get help and how to get enough help and the right help. So in the hospital, the nurse, when they're in that situation, can request a rapid response. A rapid response team responds to that location where that patient is, that that, um, that alert has been called for, and they begin to work together to stabilize that patient, to transport them if need be to a higher acuity unit, and to basically help that nurse problem solve very quickly. And the response times are amazing. So when you what, what we've seen is that nurses who aren't familiar with rapid response often don't realize they need to go ahead and activate it. And so there's a delay between recognizing that the patient is in a serious uh, state and very sick and, and they can't manage it by themselves and activating that rapid response so that that team can get there. So the important thing is as you learn about how rapid response or something similar works during your orientation, ask questions, understand where those team members come from. Is it respiratory therapy, an ICU nurse, a physician or a nurse practitioner or a PA, and what departments they may normally work in or how, they, how they're supposed to respond, and then how you activate that response in that hospital. Oftentimes, it's, um, it's an overhead paging system is going to call out, which we want to minimize that in a hospital but we know that we have to get the word out, or it may be that um, they've designed a system that is remote, that's quieter, but it pages those key people to respond to that location quickly. And again, you're not alone. You have resources at the touch of a button or a call out. Jillian, there's so much for a nurse to learn, so much for a nurse to learn. But for many nurses coming from uh, some, some countries and around the world, there might also be the, a different metric system how would a nurse know that and what would they do if that is the case? When you say uh, a metric system, uh, Tonya, are, refer are you referring to units? Yes. Ah, yes. <laughs> that was, that uh, always trips people up sometimes. Um, it's one of the things, though, that we learn about um, as we prepare to come. Um, we provide those modules. I know Kinetics provides modules. AMN Healthcare provides those modules as well, um, particularly around medications, 
Uh, of course, you know how important, you know, getting your, your medication doses correct. So it's, it's one of the things that we provide, uh, one of the training modules that we provide to nurses prior to arrival, um, just so that they are able to uh, manage safely in terms of different units and all of that so that they know this information before they actually start. Um, because as you know, you know, medications come in all sorts of different units, grams, milligrams, um, whereas in other countries, uh, you know, milliliters might be used or, or other types of units. So we do provide, I know both of our organizations provide that training beforehand. So that is extremely helpful uh, for when the nurse starts on the unit um, uh, so that they can function safely. Yeah. And I think it's just to know beforehand because there's so much to learn. You don't want to be surprised by something like that. Um, Holly, how are high alert medications managed in the U.S. compared with the Philippines or other countries? So high alert medications are identified based on several different risk factors. Um, of course, how fast they act, whether they have reversal op options, um, how dangerous they are in terms of the effect that they could have on a patient. Um, that could be life ending, unfortunately. So one of those would be insulin, which is a very common medication. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who need insulin assistance, but some of those insulins are very rapid acting, some are slow acting. Regardless of what type they are, nurses are expected to get another nurse to come and witness when they're going to be administering insulin. They witness not just I'm pulling up insulin, but I'm going to be giving it because this is the patient's blood sugar and these are the units that are ordered and here is the insulin type that I'm going to be giving. So what I'm expecting is that 100% of the time you will get that second nurse. Now what Cornelia has probably experienced is when that second nurse is brought into witness, there's also an electronic um, login or a thumbprint or something that the hospital is using to validate that that, that individual has come in and witnessed that medication, that dosage. Um, similar medications are things like heparin drips. Um, again, if a patient has a wrong dose of a heparin drip, it can kill them. So rather than say, if you're, if you're scared, they say this is the standard that you will get another RN to come in with you to check the dosage, to check the order. And if there's any question, don't witness it. Call the physician if you need to, to get an order of clarification, have the lab run another lab if you're not sure, of course, with the physician's uh, approval and participation. But high alert medications, each hospital will also usually have their own list, but the common ones are insulin, heparin, um, and there are some others um, that may come up um, almost on a uh, procedure basis because that hospital has maybe identified that they're using more of a certain type of drug or things like that. Cornelia, can you think of um, any other specific medications that you've used recently where you had to get a second nurse involved? Uh, aside from, it's usually insulin and heparin. Mm -hmm. uh, the computer won't let you give the medication to the patient or start a heparin drip without a second nurse witnessing the medication being administered inside the patient's room because you will scan the medication. In here, you have to scan the patient's bracelet and then the medication. The computer will pop up if you're, if you're giving the right medication at the right time. Then mm -hmm. you will have to have the second nurse ready at your side. Tell her, 
she has to get this heparin drip rate. This is her latest uh, PTT. Um, and then she will have to put in her username and her password before the computer will tell you that you may give the medication now. Mm-hmm. And with insulin back home, it's usually the first dose of insulin for that patient that you have to be witnessed by a senior nurse or your head nurse. But in here, it's every time you get an insulin. Right. So uh, if your patient needs an insulin, it, sometimes it's hard for us because the medication administration time, it's between 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. for us. Sometimes there is no nurse in the, in the station that you have to, that you can get. So you have to wait and then she has to put in her biometrics and then you have to tell her how much the patient's insulin is because I have experienced um, declining witnessing a patient's insulin because I just think she's going to give too much insulin to that patient. I believe the the blood sugar was 110 and there was a standing dose to be given of 10 units of regular insulin. So I told the nurse, no, I'm not going to witness this. I don't think you have to give the insulin. You have to call the doctor first. So she ended up not giving the insulin because the patient's not about to eat yet and the patient might crash. Mm-hmm. Okay. So very important. I'm, I'm so glad we're speaking about that because it might be something that an, a nurse from overseas might not be aware of the procedures and how things work in the in the U.S. in that regard. Do you have a checklist as a preceptee? I mean, things that you should learn during the, the preceptorship. This is a question maybe for Holly and Jillian. Any thoughts on that? Oh, yes. Actually, most hospitals do provide the preceptor and the preceptee with a checklist uh, of skills or tasks that the preceptee must accomplish through the orientation. And typically, the nurse and the preceptor must both sign off that these things were accomplished and it it provides that guidance. So for example, you must do an admission, you must do a discharge, you know, just several different things to validate that by the time, you know, you are due to come off of orientation, you have accomplished all of the tasks that we require a registered nurse to be competent with. So yes, the vast majority of hospitals and units do provide that uh, checkoff list for their orientees. Thank Holly. you, Julian. Cornelia, sorry, and um, Cornelia, did you have a, a checklist um, when you went through pre- your uh, preceptorship pre- uh, program? Uh, well, they didn't give me like a literal checklist, but I made my own checklist that I need to know the stuff. So, okay. Yeah. And, and that's where hospitals might be different. Holly, did you want to jump in? Uh, yeah, just really quickly, Tanya, I mentioned earlier about transitioning a lot of things online. So I've talked with a lot of hospitals too, who they consider that checklist now to be um, inside of their computer system in some way. So it, it may not be a physical piece of paper. It may actually be listed out as modules or things that somebody's signing off in a computer for you. So just be prepared that it's not always physical in your hands. And if you wanted something like that, to Cornelia's point, you could actually maybe put something down on paper. And to Jillian's previous point, when you have a challenge where you go, you know what, I'm not sure I did understand that. And my preceptor is saying that I'm struggling. 
dig in, get the, get the clarity on why that particular milestone isn't something that you're feeling you've accomplished or the preceptor isn't feeling you've accomplished so that you can understand how it might be fixed. Um, but they do, um, they do have ways of monitoring your progress over that period of, of uh, your orientation. Yes. Thank you, honey. Okay. So Melvin, I'm glad we could answer your question. We're going to talk a little bit about technology. Um, this is usually one of the biggest areas that are, is a struggle and a challenge for international nurses. And um, because in the US, the nursing practice is very technology driven. Cornelia, can you talk a little bit about the differences in technology that you noticed and what that was like for you? Well, the biggest difference is the electronic charting. So the patient's chart is in the computer. You do your assessment in the computer. It's it's really better because as you do your assessment to the patient, you can document it right inside the patient's room because the computer is there. There's a computer in each patient's room. So you're, you're assessing in real time, documenting it in real time as well. And there are some technologies as well as the vital signs monitoring. So the machine is already connected to the computer. Once you save the vital signs after you get it, it automatically transfers to the computer so the nurse can look at it real time. So you don't have to, because back home we have to write it, write it in the chart, you have to check the chart, the doctor has to check the chart. And in here, um, you can access it as long as you have a computer beside you. Okay. And so also the laboratories and stuff yeah. like that. We'll be back with the conversation in just a second there's a wonderful opportunity for you. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work in healthcare facilities here in the USA. If you are interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com slash application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. On with the show. So Cornelia, did you find that a challenge though, going from a paper practice to a computer charting? It was a challenge at first because it's a lot different, but as the time goes by, it's it's easier than paper charting, of course. Yeah. yeah. How long did it take you before you got used to it? And obviously this is just your individual experience. Well, uh, it took me a while because there is a lot. Uh, it can be overwhelming at first because everything is in there, but it took me maybe the whole orientation period, like a month. And then after a month when I was on my own, maybe one or two weeks before I got really comfortable with the computer charting. Okay, so it takes a while. So everybody, anyone who is starting that journey and is not coming from a background of using technology in the way that we use it in the US, know that it's going to be a challenge and that it's going to take some time um, like it did for Cornelia. And yeah. Jen, what and also, you, oh, sorry. No, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. And also, um, because it's a computer charting, chart there's always changes. But the good thing is the program of our hospital, we have our own program. And we have like, we call it health stream. So you will have an email every time there's a new changes that you have to take to, like to see. You have to make sure um, you have to see how to chart, let's say pressure ulcers. If there's uh, new changes in the charting, the, they will send you an email that you have to go into this training and this program. 
you have to make sure that you're able to see the new changes and apply it at your work. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So that keeps you up to date, up to date. Jillian, what would you say to a nurse who is sitting overseas now is going to be coming to the US and doesn't have any computer experience, has not done electronic charting at all? So that is, that's a challenge that many of our nurses face where, you know, on their home units, it's, it's just not uh, accessible. Um, one of the things that we've tried with our nurses or we are doing with our nurses actually is to ensure that uh, they do have access at, if at all possible to a computer to a laptop whether it's personal whether it's in an internet cafe even that uh, you do have some kind of access to a computer another thing that we do is um, we have the nurses do a typing training course and there are several of those that you can google and do online and that teaches you about keyboarding it, it really helps to develop your keyboarding skills because one of the things that um uh, really challenges the nurse in terms of time on the unit is the keyboarding and manipulating the mouse uh, to document so that's one of the basic things I would say would be a good idea is to develop your keyboarding skills. Google a typing training course online. Uh, most of them have uh, tests that you can do to test yourself. And if you can get up, you know, 25, 30 words per minute, um, that's good because it helps you to be more comfortable, at least with the keyboard and with documenting. Um, so, you know, just basic computer use as much as you can, daily computer use, improve your keyboarding skills. Um, you yeah. know, YouTube videos, there are several online, but it's really difficult to find actual training programs from EMR system manufacturers. So that's yeah, a challenge. I, I think that's a really, really important piece of advice. Um, and after the show, Jillian and Holly will provide some examples of where you can maybe, uh, you know, look at doing some keyboarding um, practice to help you to get up to speed if you're not that computer literate. It's very important to do that before you come to the United States because that really is just practice. So thank you for that, Jillian. What are the different types of EMRs used in the US? Like for us here in Saudi, we're using Epic system in my facility. Do you have separate training for the electronic medical records like classroom type, or you just learn it when you are in your preceptor program? So um, Melvin, you are at an advantage over some others in that you've seen a, a system called Epic. It is one of the market leaders here in the United States for acute care and a lot of other um, divisions of our healthcare system are beginning to use Epic. Um, the thing is that Epic and Cerner, which is another common one, are very customizable. What that means is that what you see in Epic in your facility in Saudi may look very different in the United States, whereas the fact that you're using that, that system on a computer, you're having to type in, you're having to check boxes, um, you're probably are also seeing um, the part of Epic and some of those other systems that is beneficial. The nurse who is going in to document, for instance, um, an assessment of a patient, and they are doing a head-to-toe assessment. They go in and they check a box that says abnormal breath sounds. And then from there, 
the, the information that they'll need to follow up with is actually prompted to them. So um, to Cornelia's point earlier that there's a lot of information in the computer, the way these systems are built actually guides the nurse in what the follow-up action and information needs to be and that you would document that accordingly. So yes, um, you will have training. It's not always classroom training with a, a screen and an instructor. Sometimes it's online modules that the facility has developed to show you their version of that system or their requirements. And then the other thing is there is a lot of hands-on while you're with your preceptor and you want to take advantage of that. You want to ask those questions. I see Cornelia nodding. Cornelia, did you want to add anything? Yeah, we spent about like four days of training. We use Sterner in our facility. Mm -hmm. So we spent about four days. Uh, they have like a mock chart um, mm -hmm. in those computers. So we were able to navigate all the parts. So it was easy when you transition on our own. And the length of time and days varies, but if you're struggling after whatever training they give you, speak up if you feel you need more time with the system and be specific in what your challenges are. Yeah, or always, that's always good advice. Speak up. Your preceptors, your educators, your nurse managers are not mind readers. They don't know what's going on in your mind, so you need to speak up. And okay, we've got very few minutes left um, for the final se segment where we look at cultural differences. And um, Colinia, what are some of the major cultural differences that you notice between the US and the Philippines? Um, and can you speak specifically about the relationship between nurses and physicians? Because this is really different in the Philippines as opposed to here in the US. Yeah, because of the Philippines from the hospital that I used to work there, we have residents. It was a training hospital. So the doctors rely more on the residents and the residents do like the whole body assessment and they they report to the attending physician. In here, like the MDs rely on the RNs assessment, especially if not if they're not in the hospital. So they the MDs expect that you give them a report and if you call an MD, like they will really answer your call, listen to you, and they will base their orders on what you tell them. So if you have uh, noticed a different breath sounds, let's say a wheezing or a strider in a patient's lungs, uh, you will call the doctor and then the doctor will order either an x-ray or a CT for that patient. So you will really feel that you are part of the team. So it's a, you will really feel the collaboration of the nurse and an MD. And then also when the MD do his rounds, you will, a part of his documentation will always be did rounds, discussed with RN, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting where you said you will feel the difference. Because I think yeah, you it really is a feeling um, that your role is so important and integral to the team. Um, and, and that really is one of the biggest cultural differences. And, you know, I think, uh, Jillian, we've spoken a lot about speaking up and asking questions. Can you talk a little bit about assertiveness, how important that is uh, for an international nurse and how difficult that is for an international yes. nurse? <laughs> <laughs> it is very difficult, um, just depending on, on the culture 
uh, that you're coming from, right? It, it just may not be something that you're accustomed to doing in your setting. It may be discouraged, actually. Um, but here, the, the culture in the U.S. is so different. Um, it's one where communicativeness is valued. So, for example, if a nurse is new and he or she is a bit shy, they're a little bit nervous, and you're not speaking much, Others can assume or may assume that, one, you don't know <laughs> what you're doing or, or, you know, you don't know anything at all. Or two, they may think you're a little standoffish, that you don't want to communicate with them. And, and that might cause some people to feel offended, actually. So the culture really values communicativeness, one, and assertiveness. It, it is respected here when you are assertive. And when I say assertive, speaking respectfully. So assertiveness doesn't mean, you know, shouting or, you know, that kind of behavior, right? But just not being afraid to speak up, to share your thoughts clearly, politely, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's those two things that are really valued, really important in this culture. That is, it, it could be so different from other cultures. Yeah. And, and I think really important to distinguish, as you've done, the difference between being assertive and aggressive. Yes, because those are two different things. Um, yeah. In in a, in the US, the culture, as you said, values assertiveness. That doesn't mean to say it's about being aggressive. And um, so, final question um, for Holly, uh, mm -hmm. for me, and we're talking here from a cultural difference perspective. And um, many nurses don't kind of understand the nurse hierarchy, how things work. So we've mm -hmm. spoken about speaking up. We've spoken about the value put on a nurse to be. Uh, as, as a, a team member, Cornelia spoke about that feeling that you have in the U.S. Um, that it's just different. You you have a voice um, in in the U.S. system. Can you speak, Holly, uh, just for a, a minute or two about um, the nurse hierarchies that exist in the United States and how to navigate that as an international nurse? Because sometimes you don't you say speak up, but like to who? And how? <laughs> yeah. So I think um, I'll talk first from a patient perspective really quickly, which is when it comes to um, the fact that you're responsible for a patient, it doesn't matter whether you feel that your nurse manager or your assistant nurse manager or the physician might not agree with you. You are the closest clinician professional to that patient. And so if you notice something that seems relevant and you choose not to speak up because you feel like, well, maybe the senior nurse should be the one to identify that. Maybe the senior nurse is the one who's supposed to say something to the doctor or where you come from. Maybe you're not allowed to say something to the physician directly. Maybe you have to take that to a senior nurse who then takes that to the physician. So whatever that hierarchy is where you come from here, we have what I'll call a much flatter structure. The expectation is that regardless of what title you hold, ultimately each member of the team is responsible for bringing up or speaking up the things that they see happening with that patient and trying to find ways to collaboratively address it within their scope. A good example of this is if a nursing assistant who doesn't even hold a professional license like you do comes to you and says, listen, I see that this patient, you're getting ready to give insulin and they don't want to eat their breakfast and I'm really concerned. If you as a nurse go, you know what, that's not your that's not your place to tell me that I'm the one who needs to be responsible, then in this culture, that would be considered very inappropriate. 
we want to honor people that speak up on behalf of the patient and take that information into account. That's a hierarchy for patient care and a way of flattening the, the hierarchy to be able to get the information from all of the team members who are responsible for that patient. That includes the person who delivers their tray to their room for breakfast. If they see something, we want them to say something. And, and we want them to say it preferably to the nurse, but we also want the nurse to validate that we appreciate you bringing that information to us. It's, it's, you're not a um, lower in terms of um, the, the importance of what you are doing to try and protect that patient. When it comes to concerns, there's also um, a hierarchy or what we call a chain of command. So that's the other piece. Um, and with that, if you have a challenge or a concern, you would wanna go to the next level up in the chain of command. So for instance, I would want to go perhaps to my charge nurse first or my assistant nurse manager then maybe that next step might be the nurse manager. Then maybe that might be the department director. And then if I can't get what I need as I go through each of those levels, then I may want to reach higher. If instead I go first to the director of the department and I say, my preceptor is not giving me what I need. Well, we told you we, we think that you need to speak up, but unfortunately you've not gone to the person that is most likely to be able to help you and so if it goes above or at the wrong level of that chain of command, it may actually take more time and complicate things to get it addressed. And the manager may say, or the director may say to you, who have you addressed this with first? Did you follow the chain of command and go through that process? Or are you coming to me before you've done that? Well, we're going to finish off on that note, which is great sage advice, because, you know, I think we've shared so many things on the show today about about things that nurses just might not know, you know, that chain of command and hierarchy uh, of nurses and the value of speaking up, the importance of um, rapid response and, and high alert medications and so much, so much great content and so much valuable information shared with nurses around the world. And I want to thank our panel, Cornelia. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experience to Jillian. Um, who is an international nurse herself. We brought her own experience as well as that um, from AMN and um, how to help a nurse to, to make a smooth transition. And Holly from Kinetics, um, adding that excellent, great perspective um, and sharing so much great advice and tips. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us. See you next month. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and hit the follow button on your podcast player and leave us a review. Kinetics USA is currently recruiting registered nurses from all over the world to work here in the USA. We offer direct hire, meaning you will be sponsored and hired directly by American healthcare facilities. If you're interested, please apply at kineticsusa.com application. That's kineticsusa.com forward slash application. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more incredible conversations.